Hey guys, happy 2020. I'm Christina, and this is another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast dedicated to the things no one wants to talk about in real life. I am back from Virginia. It was kind of a shit show. (laughs) When I see my family, it's always kind of crazy, but this year in particular, there was just a lot of drama, and I don't know. I, I always feel like I revert back to my teenage self when I go home. Like, I can be as prepared as I can be, and I can think that I'm ready, but then it's like the second I step foot into the same house as my parents, I just feel like a kid again. And and I didn't even grow up in Virginia in that house. I just, I don't know, something about being surrounded by my whole family and just feeling kind of like I've regressed. I mean, it, it I make it sound terrible, but it was actually a really good trip. I spent some really quality time with uh, some of my younger siblings, whom I don't really know as well. And uh, I'm really happy that we had the holiday episode beforehand. Like, I I got to listen to your advice of how to survive the holidays. And I know the holidays are over, but if you haven't heard that episode, you should go back and listen because there's a lot of great tips for just dealing with people in general. A lot of the advice I really took to heart, um, advice like make sure to take time for yourself, even if you feel obligated to hang out with your family 24-7. It it actually really came in handy. Um, One night we had a particularly bad uh, argument happen at the dinner table, and I was really close to losing my sobriety that night, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's the first time in like seven months that I've been sober that I've really felt the urge to drink. Uh, luckily, I was able to tell my sister Caroline and she took me on a drive. We got out of the house. We went to the beach and walked around and saw the Christmas lights and talked and it was so nice. I'm just really grateful to have the siblings that I do. They're just really cool people and I wish they didn't live on the other side of the country. Uh, I hope you guys all survived the holidays. And Happy New Year! I know I said that already, but it's 2020, and it's a new decade. Like, that's really crazy to me. Um, I was born in 92, so technically I'm a child of the 90s, but the first eight years of my life, obviously, I wasn't really part of the culture, and nor do I remember a lot of what was going on at the time. So the 2000s really seem like my time, and I, w- I was a little more emotional than I thought I would be this New Year's just because I went through so much. When I graduated high school, I went to college, I moved out of the house for the first time, I had two long-term relationships, I moved like four times, I got a cat, you know, I was hospitalized a few times, like I met all the friends that I have now, like so much happened and, you know, it just makes me feel kind of nostalgic. I don't know if you guys have made any resolutions Here's my attitude about New Year's resolutions. I think they're great. Do I think that I will be able to hold to them all year? Absolutely not. I just love any chance to set a new goal or have a fresh start. So I know a lot of people are cynical about it, whatever. I don't hate on anything that makes me feel like a fresh start is possible. We all need more of that in our lives. So... This year, my big thing is going to be saving money. I decided that's the biggest focus this year because I finally have a job that lets me not live paycheck to paycheck 
And so uh, I'm really going to start trying to make a dent in my student loans and my medical bills so that by 2021, I can finally buy some fun stuff for myself, like a vehicle. Um, There's a truck backing up outside. I don't know if you can hear it. Um, I'm also trying to find a therapist again. Now that I'm all settled in my new place and I have health insurance with my new job, it's a priority that I definitely need to make happen. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Uh, While I was in Virginia, I recorded this podcast episode with my brother, Andrew, who is uh, the second born of seven. I'm the first born. He's the second born. And it was just such a fun time. Uh, He makes me laugh like none other. And he is really wise and has a lot of stuff to say. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this. With that said, I hope you guys are wrapping up your first week of 2020 in a way that is productive and easygoing and that you guys are being gentle on yourselves because even though it's a new year, a lot of us do have baggage that we're bringing forward from 2019. I feel like at 27, I'm finally sort of stabilizing and getting shit done and looking forward with a little bit more clarity. So uh, we'll see what happens. But until then, uh, I'll be keeping you guys updated on my crazy life via this podcast. Um, Before I jump into the interview, I want to remind you guys that if you have ever thought about being a guest on here, now is your time. I do need guests for the spring. So yeah, if you have anything to say about any mental health topic, just hit me up and we can get the ball rolling. All right, um, here is the episode. I hope you guys enjoy and happy new year. All right, we're recording. But, that, um, does that mean t- this is the start? <laughs> well, it already started when you were whispering seductively. Oh. But, um... By the way, I clear my throat a lot <clears throat> like this, so... Wow. You can keep them in or edit them out. <laughs> so, we have been planning this for a long time, haven't we? I'm so nervous. <laughs> Why? I don't know! <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself? To the hordes of listeners out there? Hordes, yep. Yeah. I so, have a horde. Last time I checked, you had 18 downloads or so. 18? So, to all 18 of you, Fuck this you. is who I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm Andrew. Hi. Your, her, um, younger brother. And By how uh, much? By like a, uh, one and a half years. Were you about to say 100? No. <laughs> yeah. 18 months to be precise. <clears throat> yes. And um, I'm 25. I went to college in Vermont. And then I moved here because it's really cold. Where is here? In Vermont. Uh, in North Carolina. Right. We're in North Carolina right now. Uh, fuck. <laughs> We're in Virginia. <laughs> We're in Virginia. <laughs> I meant, like, we're in the vicinity. But I moved to North Carolina. That's where I live. Oh, yeah. Okay, technically, as we're recording, we're in Virginia, but we're we're in the vicinity of North Carolina. <laughs> yes. For yeah. Christmas. I moved there because it was really cold in Vermont, and I don't want to be that cold ever again. And right now, I'm trying to join the Coast Guard. It's a whole thing I'm trying to do. Which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> but that's uh, my... That covers all everything, right? Not everything. I mean, about who I am. Well, not everything. 
are some other things people Andrew's say? Andrew's married to Abby, <laughs> who I had on my podcast uh, this summer. Somebody's phone is vibrating. It's not mine. Is that your... Oh. I just want to make sure it's not an emergency. Hey, bro. <laughs> Tell him to shut yeah, up. Yeah, I'm doing the podcast, so I'm about to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. This is really rude. I'm sorry, everybody. It's whatever you want, bro. I'm down. We're going to do a fire pit. A po- an hour for the podcast. Maybe more. All right. Love you. Bye. Are you Are you back with sorry, us? Sorry. Sorry. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, you're good. Um, I was just saying that you're married <laughs> to one of my past podcast guests. I am. Is it? Is it bad that I haven't even listened to that podcast? Oh, this is, uh, you're putting me in a really awkward position here. So you can't reference things that she said in that podcast. Like she, like, I don't know. Why haven't you listened to it? I just like, I don't know. I already know her. So the podcast (laughs) is about getting to know her. Well, I think you'll be surprised. I mean, do you talk about mental health with her a lot? I mean, does anyone really? Well, yeah. That's why you, I mean, that's why you have this podcast because no one well, talks about it enough. I don't know. Everyone's different. Yeah, that's true. But like, if you're a person in the world, even to your close friends, you, I feel like not a lot of people just like talk about their mental health a lot. Like, when people ask how you're doing, you still just say, "Okay." You don't yeah. say, uh, "Honestly, I haven't been do- doing so great these days because even though everything should be good." Um, my mental health has just been crap lately, and I just don't know why I feel so sad. Like, nobody gives you that answer. Is that how but you feel? No. Why don't we just start this by <clears throat> um, me asking how you are, and you give me an honest answer. Okay, well, see, that's the problem. People don't like being honest. It's like being vulnerable. But I will do be you, vulnerable for you. Do you struggle with that? Yeah, I think everyone does. Like, that's why they say good. But but getting back to your question, my mental state lately has been, like, I'm trying to think of how to, like, describe it, just because, like, I never even tell people. I feel honored. I know. That you're willing to be vulnerable. You used to take a look into the annals of my mind. That's a little deep. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Not a lot of people are. I realize we do that a lot. We, like, make light of things and we joke a lot. That's how people cope. Well, yeah. But it's getting in the way of being honest. Like, we still haven't talked about what really matters because we're just joking. And I noticed I do that a lot. And our family does that a lot. Our family does do that a lot. Whenever I'm listening to, like, a podcast, Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, not that many. Not... The ones with your wife right. in them, apparently. I'm sorry, I kind of dug my own grave there, but <laughs> um, when they ask like a question and they're about to answer, then they get sidetracked. I always think, when are they gonna get to the question? And sometimes they never do, and I'm just left there as a listener, like, so how is he? <laughs> well, so um, I've been like, kind of feeling lost lately I don't know where my future is gonna go and I'm gonna have to make some really big decisions over the next year and that's like 
I've always been a really empathetic person, I guess, mm-hmm. and it's really scary about how that will affect other people to me. I don't like wanna... your decisions, <clears throat> how yeah. they're going to affect other people. Yeah, like um, you know, with my career and stuff, um, and moving. Well, to to give a little bit of backstory, you've been preparing for something for a long time. Like after college, you thought you were going to do something and then... Yeah, so basically in college, I was a criminal justice major and a Spanish major. And I I didn't know what I was going to do in college, just like a lot of kids. And um, senior year, I went to a career fair and I met... Petty Officer Dan Mims, who is in the Coast Guard. Can He's you a say recruiter. his full name on here? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, if anything, I'll get more people to, like, Google him and find out about the Coast Guard. Oh, right. You know, he, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know how recruiters work, but I'm pretty sure, like, they get some sort of reward for each person they get to join. So we should put him on full <clears throat> blast is what you're saying. Yeah. All right, continue. I met him at the career fair, and he started telling me about the Coast Guard, and I was, you know, super interested, and that's how I learned about that. And I started on this path to go to officer candidate school for the Coast Guard. That was, like, my main goal. I was super excited, and it took me, like, many months to apply because it's a really long process and stuff. But I found out, um, like, uh, a few days ago that I didn't get in! Woo! So, (laughs) I can apply next time. The next deadline is in June. It's December right now. You know, I have some things to consider about what my next move is. I'm looking at Coast Guard Reserves in the meantime. But I know you you, you make a decision and you stick with that decision and you are not easily swayed from that decision. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm curious to talk more about your feelings in the moment when you found out that you didn't get in. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I find out what I want to do. I don't decide what I want to do. I find out what I want to do. <laughs> All right. And it kind of surprises me. But And then I dedicate, like you said, I dedicate myself 100% to that thing. And I did. And I tried my hardest. And that's why I don't really have, I'm not sad about it. Because I tried my hardest. And when I found out I didn't want to get in, in the moment, I, like, was really sad. Like, it was like a dagger in my heart. Like, just for, like... One second, like when he told me I wasn't going to get in, he didn't see my name on the list. But after that, like I recover really quickly. And then I just started thinking, okay, what's my next move? Because like, I'm a really like, you know, logical person. I just think like, well, I have to have a next move because if I don't, then I'm just going to be doing nothing. Did you have a plan B? Yeah, I did. Okay, that's good. My plan B actually turned into my plan C and my plan C turned into my plan B because my plan B was joining this volunteer organization called the Coast Guard Auxiliary where um, you volunteer your time for the Coast Guard and you learn things that you can take with you into the Coast Guard when you get in. If, if But I... it's not real. No, it is real. But it's not like the real Coast Guard. It is actually. They're part of the Coast Guard. But um, money's nice. And so um, my plan C was actually just to join the Coast Guard to enlist. But I figured, why beat around the bush? Like, why join the volunteer Coast Guard, uh, volunteer arm of the Coast Guard when I can just make money and just start working for the Coast Guard right away? So that's your current plan? Yeah, my plan was to apply again while working for the auxiliary 
And then if I didn't get in the second time, then I would actually enlist in the Coast Guard. But now my plan is just to enlist in the Coast Guard. And while I apply for officer school the second time, I'm just going to be working in the Coast Guard. Because that's what I want to do. Like, even if I don't get into officer school, I still want to be in the Coast Guard. So I figure, yeah. why not? Why not just join the Coast Guard and uh, have start having adventures right away? And, so you're just throwing yeah. yourself head first into this new plan. Maybe not head first. Maybe like... Like dipping a toe first. in. Because I'm joining the Coast Guard Reserves. It's not full-time active duty. You basically do training so that you're fully able to do the same things that the active duty people can do. But that's all you're doing. Just training. And you're paid to do it. And um, you're fully dispensable to the Coast Guard if they need you. If there's some sort of disaster, a hurricane, you can help with that. You can do that. But um, you, you still don't have to dedicate your whole life, your whole... Um, every single week. You basically train on weekends. Okay. And um, That seems a little less intense than what you're used to or were expecting. Yeah. And that will actually give me um, time to be able to dedicate um, myself to my application for officer school. Cause so you obviously, haven't given up on that dream yet? No way. Because, like, I got a degree, and that's a lot of money right there. Yeah. And I don't want to waste that. And you have to have a degree to get into officer school and. It's not one of those things where it's just like a piece of paper. Like, I'm actually going to use the things I learned when I'm an officer. So I really want to do that. It's really a good job for me. But, do you have a backup plan in case it doesn't work out the second time? Well, yeah. I mean, just being in the Coast Guard. Oh, I'll yeah. probably go full-time active duty if if by age 30 I don't get into... <laughs> <laughs> I need water. There you go. I don't know how old that is, but... It's probably dad's water. It's fine. I, I drank, should, I I drank probably, some of it last night. I should probably get some from downstairs. All right. I just want my own water, you know? All right. Go get, go do what you got to do. All right. I have to get used to, like, knowing people who don't know me are listening. Yeah. Like, I have to say things that I wouldn't normally because they're so obvious. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the podcast. I'm meeting a new person this microphone. Hi, microphone. They're a little shy. I'm going to give your microphone a name. His oh, name wow. is Gary. Gary? No, that's our uncle's name. So? Isn't that, like, honorable? But... He's a, he's a nice guy. You're just assuming my microphone is gender. Hmm. It's got to be a gender-neutral name. This is 2019, almost 2020. Are you saying microphone that are, is, like, if a microphone is a woman, it can't be named Gary? <laughs> like, come on. Did you just assume that women can't be named Gary? Okay. I'm offended. I just... It doesn't... In fact, I think it is a woman, but still, Gary. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, anyway, mental health. <clears throat> yeah. We were both raised in the same kind of household, which was conservative, Christian, homeschooled. I just realized the microphone can't hear me nodding, but I'm, I'm <laughs> nodding. Um... But I'm just really curious about your experience with mental health, like how it was talked about with you growing up, because uh, we girls had a very different upbringing, I mean, which you can hear about on the episode with me and Caroline. We talk about it a little bit, how our perceptions mm. about body image and stuff were. And But I don't know. I mean, you and I have never really talked about it. I feel like you're pretty reserved when it comes to mental health. Like I said, we, we joke a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. You especially, you're, you're hilarious. What do you mean by reserved? Um, when it comes to emotions, mm -hmm. 
I feel like you're more reserved. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant I was reserved talking about mental oh, health. Oh, no. No. <clears throat> I mean, you're not really reserved when it comes to talking, <sighs> period. <laughs> <laughs> Except with people I don't know, like Gary. Like Gary? Gary's warming up to you. I guess what I'm asking is, what does mental health mean to you? Did you perceive it as a thing growing up, <clears throat> like as a kid? Okay, so dialing it back, we weren't talked to about mental health. Obviously, because, like, um, yeah, that's, like, one of the um, the downfalls of homeschooling. Certain subjects, if, it do, if the parents don't ever feel that it applies to their kids, they won't teach it. Like, if a conservative mom and dad don't want their kids to have sex before marriage, it won't even enter their minds to have anything that might... Like, any semblance of a sex education class. Yeah. Similarly, if they don't perceive their kids to have any sort of mental health issues, or if they're just, you know, blind to it, or they don't want to see it, then they won't really have any sort of mental health discussions with their kids. But in school, it doesn't matter what the kid's going through. They're all... They're all can't talk they're all gonna learn the same shit that's what i'm trying to say so that's both a good thing and a bad thing about the public school system you all learn the same things so you know i don't think mom and dad really um thought that i had any mental health problems did you no i didn't and they didn't think i did but because of that they didn't um tell me anything about mental health I think back then, like, even, like, the world was not as open to discussing mental health as it is yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's in, definitely been an increase. In the last couple of decades, the world has changed to be more accepting um, that mental health problems exist and that they are physical problems because not only is your brain a part of your physical body, but also mental health problems affect you physically. Totally. Like... People that are stressed out all the time um, and having problems in their mind are um, less likely to live as long as someone who um, is stress-free, I guess. Wow. I, be- I believe it. It shortens your life expectancy, basically. Because, like, cortisol is produced when you're stressed. And basically, um, you know, it's good because it gives you the energy to respond to stressful situations. But, like, if you have it... If you have it all the time, then your body starts just being in survival mode twenty four seven. And uh, like, I don't, not, I don't really know the science behind it, but basically, well, I know that was a pretty thorough explanation. All I know that it's not, it's not good for you. <laughs> I watched a TED talk um, in which uh, a woman scientist explained about that the cortisol in your brain, and she was trying to basically argue that stress is a good thing. That well, yeah. we all demonize it. If it wasn't a good it. thing, we wouldn't have evolved to have it in the first place. But I think it's it's the word stress just... And people want to avoid it at all costs. Like, they've demonized it. That sounds it. stressful. It is. <laughs> I mean, stress is a, a part of life, but people act like it's bad. Tisn't it? Tis. <laughs> I mean, growing up, obviously, we witnessed our fair share of mental health problems like between us our parents you know Mm -hmm. the church like how did you um fuck 
I don't know where I'm going with this. It's okay. I'm just as scared as you. <laughs> like, I know you didn't have any problems, you said, but... Yeah, but I witnessed a lot of problems happening. Of like, um, I bore witness to a lot of um, stressful things and mental healthy things. Mental healthy things? Mental, mental health. I don't mean mentally healthy. I meant mental health dash E things. Right. Mental healthy things. <laughs> so, like, I'll start with you. You had problems like depression and stuff growing up. Caroline had problems yeah. growing up. Both of you struggled, I think, with eating and with self-harm and with um, just being depressed. Yeah. And um, it makes me, it kind of makes me wonder, like, because um, I have four sisters, Gary, I have four <laughs> sisters, and uh, two of them experience the problems I just described, but um, I have two more sisters, and it just makes me wonder, like, what problems they have had that I haven't heard about, because after I grew up, I went to college and stuff, but then they became the age that you used to be, mm-hmm. you and Caroline, and they obviously, they probably had their problems of their own that... I just, you know, I don't hang out with them enough because I don't have time. And I wonder what problems they've experienced. Do you ever talk to them about that kind of thing? I mean, I feel like we just started talking about it between us. Yeah, we we did. Like, there's a difference between... There's a difference between knowing someone has a problem and actually like you know rec- being able to recognize it but it's another thing to actually address it head on and say like hey I, I got this problem and I'm dealing with that you know and just to talk about it we'll, like talk someone through something so yeah. like last month you asked me to help you um like emotionally mm-hmm. like get through your problems that you're having and uh, that's the first time that I've actually on a regular basis, actually talk to you about your mental health. Yeah, I mean, it brought us closer, and it was really it nice to be I was able... honored that you would actually ask me to do that. Like, seriously. Oh, well, yeah, I trust you, you know, and you're you're not going to, like, try to fix it for me or be afraid. That's a hard thing. Like, at first, I was trying to offer all these solutions, like, oh, it, you just do this. But I actually have a very close friend whose wife... Um, went through stuff very similar to you a long time ago. And um, he said that the best thing he could do for her was just tell her that she is worth it and that he loves her and that, like, just offer her support. I mean, honestly, that's what helps the most. Yeah. And so I stopped trying to just give solutions and I started just trying to just ask you about your day and mean it, stuff like that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, like you said, it brought us closer, and I wish I could be like that for all the siblings. Well, I was going to ask, has this changed the way you interact with others, knowing that you're capable of offering that support? <clears throat> Not really, because like, I always knew I was capable of helping someone through a rough time. I mean, I'd hope anyone would be capable of doing that. But you have to remember the fact that you actually asked me to do that, like, kind of formally, like, can you be the person? yeah that does this for me next month like I need someone if someone doesn't ask then um, I think there's boundaries even with siblings like especially as we get older we're all adults and we have to respect each other's boundaries so my two younger siblings unless they ask me about that then I don't know 
what my role should be, you know? Mm-hmm. I think mostly it's to, um, I want to say, like, pretend everything's okay, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> well, and that's, you have had that role, like, you <clears throat> always bring humor to the table, you are, you bring people together. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a fan of, like, if I hear from someone else that they're going through a rough time, I won't pretend that everything's okay. I won't say, like, how's your day? I'll say, I'll greet them by saying, hey, I, I heard this happened. Are you okay? Would you say that's appropriate? or? Yeah, I, I would say that's appropriate. But um, I wouldn't say it's appropriate to offer up solutions. I agree. I hate it when people do that. It's <clears> like... Most people do. Like, I was reading this yeah. article a month or so ago, and it was like, People really don't want your opinion unless they ask for it and they're telling you about a rough time they had. You should just um, be there for support only. Like, they're not looking for solutions. Even, like, someone who's really close to you, like um, my wife or, like, my siblings, like, when they tell me about something, then I'm just like, that sucks. But you have to be sincere. Oh, yeah. You can't just be like, sucks to suck i mean and it's hard <laughs> to not try to offer a solution sometimes like if the person's hurting themselves yeah. or like struggling really hard i mean obviously if they're like suicidal or something you should get involved like on a deeper level yeah but i'd say if someone's on. like suicidal you you're not even offering solutions then in that case you are the you have the responsibility to be the solution oh, by okay. getting them help So even then, you're not really saying, you should do this. I I have never been in that situation, fortunately. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't don't know what I would do because I I have been in the situation of someone who was suicidal and I've confided in people that I was suicidal and um, I would probably be angry if one of them had called, like, the authorities or something. But... Well, yeah, probably. Like, I was was in, like... BLS training for... Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right now I'm a lifeguard for what? the YMCA. Okay, okay, so basic life support training. Okay. And it was like training on how to recognize the signs of a stroke. And if you get help for someone, it said that most people will be reluctant to accept help. They'll say that they're fine. Cause well, a, even if it's like a stroke or something? Well, here's the thing. Signs of a stroke can manifest like 24 hours before a stroke happens. So if they're showing signs of a stroke and you call EMS, a lot of people won't want the attention. And this is just directly parallel to someone who's suicidal in a, oh, lot, totally. in a lot of ways. Like, they won't want the attention. They don't want to make it official by calling attention to themselves and EMS gets there. And, you know, they're being taken care of. They don't want all that. Yeah. Okay, because they don't even know that there's a problem. So I think it's similar. Oh, totally. In a lot of ways. Well, and I, I say that because if I had a friend who was suicidal, having been in their place and knowing how angry I would be, I would be hesitant to call the authorities, even if I knew I should. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's what you're supposed to do, but I just feel like, I don't, I don't yeah. know if I, I think... trust myself to do the right thing in that situation, because I do yeah. respect someone's choices. That kind of hesitation, I think, stops a lot of people from doing what they should do. The specific hesitation I'm talking about is when you're thinking about how someone will view you after 
all sudden and done. Because that causes you to have doubts. Yeah. Like, if you're getting ready to, like, do something that you feel in your gut, like, in your heart, that you should do, or you really want to do, the only sometimes the only thing stopping you is, like, what others will think of you. Yeah. Especially, like, the person it affects most. Maybe it's a good thing, because you don't want to do things that will negatively impact people. But actually, that that's a good point, like... Maybe you should be more focused on the actual impact something will have on someone instead of what they'll think of you. Because, like, obviously, if you if you get someone help who's suicidal, the, the actual impact is their life might be saved. Yeah. But there there's also what they're going to think of you. But which yeah, like one... what if they don't want it to be saved? Yeah, know? which it's one like... carries more weight? Well, probably the real impact yeah. of them possibly getting saved. Do you care what people think about you? Yeah, a lot. I mean, okay. Um, I mean, I think everyone does, you know? Well, yeah, but... Like, we dress fashionably. We we don't always say what comes to our mind. We have a presence on social media that that's probably not really reflective of who we truly are, but it's all because other people might think something about us. And I'm not immune to that. In fact, I'm not just not immune to it. I'm, like, fully affected by it. You just like, never talk about it, really. Yeah, but I mean, I'm a human, like, we're all, we all really deeply, deeply care about what people think of us, more than we think. Well, I know that's a given, but I, I don't always think of it as a given, because no one talks about it, and so, yeah, I look at you, forget. and I, sometimes I feel like you are <laughs> immune to that. Wow, that's or not a totally, compliment. Not totally immune, but like, I don't know, it just seems like you don't really that's give cool, a fuck. Though. That that's what I think everyone would hope for that that people think they're the type of person who doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> which is kind of ironic if you think about it because then you start giving you a give fuck. a fuck about not giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I do give a fuck about a lot of stupid things, just like everyone. Like when when I get ready for the day, I like swoop my hair in a direction that I think will be favorable for other people <laughs> to look at. I put on clothes that I hope will make people be like, yo, dog. (laughs) (laughs) I think what the main thing that makes you feel like I'm the kind of person who doesn't give a fuck is um, (laughs) what I just said made it sound like English is not even my first language. (laughs) See, this is what happens when I talk a lot. (laughs) Um, Is I actually (laughs) don't talk a lot. I'm more of a quiet person Mm -hmm. and so maybe it seems like things don't affect me a lot like i remember when i got the news from my recruiter that i didn't get in to ocs my literal words were just like okay all right um so let's let's plan our next move it sounds like you're cool calm and collected i'm yeah i'm really monotone a lot in fact like over i'd say starting with my like sophomore year of college I realized just how monotone I am because I started doing a lot more like public speaking assignments mm-hmm. and I like listening to myself. I'm just like, wow, that is so hard to listen to. <laughs> and I just started thinking, is this what other people hear when they talk to me? I'm just like, um, someone asked me, what do you think about it? I'm like, well, here's what I think about it. I think you should do this and you know, we all have struggles, and I think you're really brave for going through, like, yeah. do people even listen to me when I talk like that? Probably not. 
Gary does. Gary, Gary does. Thank you, Gary, for always being there for me. But um, anyway, I've I've been making an effort to actually put more flexion, flexion, <laughs> flexion in my voice because um, the highs and lows are what keeps me people paying attention. And I'm taking notes here. <laughs> yeah, and. Like, you know, subconsciously, of course, like when you walk away from a conversation and you don't think, wow, that person had so much flexion in their voice. They, (laughs) they really were high when they were talking about something they were excited about. (laughs) They were quiet when they were talking about something serious. I I just get off on that. (laughs) But no, you don't, you don't actually consciously think that, but, um, it does affect how people view you. You, you know, because if you're monotone, always monotone then people don't really remember you. <laughs> so now my audience knows how to speak in public, thanks to you. Yeah. <laughs> but we were talking, what were we talking about before? How We were talking about why I seem like I don't give a fuck. Yes. Why? And that's how we started talking about, like, um, voice flexion stuff. I want to talk about your expectations and, like, how, how expectations affect mental health. Because I've been thinking about it since you told me you didn't get in. Uh, you know, I, my first mm-hmm. impulse is to be really worried about you. I feel like other people think about this way more than I have. <laughs> well, you've just been talking about it for so long. I know. And... Like, I do, you know, I have told everyone that I really am hoping I'm going to get in. And, and the I know... thing is, you always treat it like it's going to happen. Like, you don't have another plan. Like, this is going to happen because you're going to make yeah. it happen. And so that's why I was a little worried when you didn't get in because you, you just seemed like so sure that you would get it. And that's why I want to talk about expectations mm-hmm. and how they do affect your mental health because I feel like expectations mm, can be they can be a really good thing like they can spur you on to accomplish things yeah but they can also be dangerous in the way that I was worried that they were affecting you yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. like what are your thoughts about that there are like two things going on here so you can when you talk about mental health you're kind of talking about how you emotionally, how you respond to things. But I think there are two sides of it, and one of them you don't really think about too often. One side of mental health is actually what you do regardless of how you're feeling. And that's like taking care of your body and planning and stuff. And if that doesn't happen, then it can really hurt your mental health. Wait, wait, but you said that's part of mental health. Yeah, it's part of mental health because it's, really tied to mental health. Like, if I don't plan for the future and take steps toward making sure I'm secure, then that will cause me to get stressed and then my mental health goes out the window. Okay. So you asked me what I think about expectations and how that affects mental health. Well, I think expectations are fine and they won't really throw you off the rails as long as you plan for what happens if your expectations don't line up with what really takes place. So I did have a plan B because um, even though I felt like, you know, my emotional health would really rely on this thing happening, I also knew that it might not happen because, you know, there are other people who are basically better versions of me running around out there and they might get it. And so... I just figured I have to have a plan B because um, I don't want my happiness to rely on this one thing happening. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you did place all your hopes and dreams in one thing and it, it <clears throat> burned you? That's a good question. I gotta think about that. Because you've been through some rough times. Like, I mean, you after graduating high school, <clears throat> the whole family moved to Texas, but you stayed behind in mm-hmm. Chicago and you basically you know, put yourself through community college and you lived with a friend and you commuted on a bike every day. Mm -hmm. I I feel like that was a rough time for you, but also you grew a lot. And so I'm just wondering um, if you had any lessons to share from that time. I've got a lot of lessons. Where were you mentally at that time? Like, what was going on with you? Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I'm the kind of guy that just takes life as it comes. And I don't really dwell on how shitty of a situation that I'm in like I don't think about how shitty it is a lot of the times I just kind of I don't know well because if you stop it's like the metaphor of you know the person who's treading water if you stop you'll sink like you in the moment you can't stop to think about it exactly you just have to get through it and then once you are safe on dry land then you can think holy shit yeah, that was terrible yeah, where'd you get that analogy that's like, I, I mean it's i feel like it's pretty well that makes known. sense yeah that makes sense because um like i'm always that person treading water and just like constantly moving my arms and feet and trying to get you know work. how treading water works i was just going along with the analogy all right all right all right, all right. <laughs> okay <laughs> come on i'm a lifeguard like i'd like to talk about water oh. and what you do in water Oh, okay, well... You can leave that part out. Anyway, <laughs> um, I am constantly just doing, like, living my life, and if I don't like where I'm at, then I just take steps to change it, I guess. I Which is easier said than I done. I don't want to make it seem like I'm some, like, badass out there who just, like, oh, I don't like my situation? I'll fucking change it. <laughs> That's what I'll fucking do. <laughs> but, like, it's not that easy, but... Um, you, t- I take slow steps to change it and I'm not really ever really thinking too much about how bad my situation is, I guess. Cause I just thought of this, like, I think that's probably because my sense of self responsibility is so high. Maybe, I don't know where I, I learned that probably slowly over the years. Like when but, you say self responsibility, mm, do you mean? Like self, more, not, not responsibility, self accountability. So, um. I don't give myself excuses. So, like, okay. when I'm in a bad situation that I, I don't like, whenever I think about how bad it is, I just think, so what are you doing to make it not bad? Because you're the only one. Maybe it's because I listen to too many self-help podcasts, but I always just go to, you're the only one who has control over how you react to all this shit. So yeah. what are you doing? Like, you're stupid if you're doing anything but trying to make it better for yourself. And I mean, honestly, no one else is going to give as much of a fuck about you as you. And you know how, like, we were talking about earlier where you're not really supposed to give advice to people because they just want to vent and they don't want it? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's kind of like a privilege. You can give yourself as much advice as you want. Like, you can be as critical as you want of yourself. You have that freedom to just be like, "Why, why are you in this situation? Like, why can't... Like, but, um, I think we're going to do to get out. Yeah. You, you have to have a certain level of self accountability, like introspection for that to work. And you have to want to get out. You have to believe that you can get out. Cause like, it's really easy to just, um, ignore 
all the warning signs and that little voice in your head that says like this isn't right you should get out of this situation and just kind of live life do you have an example i mean i guess i'm trying to think of something really really bad it doesn't have to be but it's i guess when i was living in illinois the family had already moved to texas and i actually specifically didn't come with them because i wanted to hack it on my own i was actually inspired by you Meanwhile, I was trying to hack it on my own and failing, but you didn't know that because... Even if I did know that, it wouldn't have changed anything. I still wanted to be like you because you're my (laughs) big sister. So I wanted to stay in Illinois and, like, work, but mostly go to community college. It's kind of funny because right when the family moved, I stopped going to community college and I started working. But eventually I realized I couldn't do both. And I think that is what I'm trying to talk about, that realization Mm -hmm. where I'm not feeling satisfied. All I'm doing is spending my money on food and stuff to keep me occupied, I guess. Just like, what did I spend my money on? Train tickets, food. You said food. I know, but more food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I didn't make that much, but... I also had a very close friend I was living with who played a card game called Magic, and we um, I spent a lot of money on that. Oh, yeah. It's entertainment. Entertainment, yeah. We would always play. And I just spent my day playing the, this card game with my friend and working. I didn't have any real you know, hobbies or interests, and like I couldn't really define myself. I was just this blob living my life, and I think that's the bad situation that I had to get out of. And so I thought, well, I just have to quit my job. And I knew mom and dad, <laughs> they're caring parents, so, and they had the means. So they, I knew they would fly me to Texas if I wanted you know, them to. It's, it's like a luxury, you know? A lot of yeah. people don't have that luxury. But um, I did. Woo-hoo, so. I mean, but what did it take did. for you to get to that realization? Because like, it was a conflict, right? Well, the holidays were coming up, you know, December. So I was like, this is, this is good for, cause you know, to talk about, cause we are at the holidays right now. So the holidays are a time of reflection, yeah. especially New Year's. Like you oh, look yeah. back and it's mel- melancholy a lot of times for a lot of people. By like, the way, when this comes out, it'll be 2020 first episode of the year. Yeah. Abby was telling me that she was like, you're going to be her first podcast. Like if you do this of 2020, I was like, whoa, cool. No pressure or anything, but. Yeah, no, actually, if this turns out to be a shite podcast, you can only go up from there. So that's a <laughs> good thing, go. right? Keeping it positive. So, so it was the holidays. Yeah, and the holidays are, like I said, a time where you think about a lot of stuff. And I just thought, like, we're about to start a new year. What is uh, it going to look like for me during that year, during next year? Is this really sustainable? Ask myself the real questions. Like, I'm working at a shoe store and um, not really doing anyth- anything else. And I, I told everyone I was going to go to college, but I'm not doing that either. And so I was just like, well, whatever the case, I just want to I just want to be back home. Fuck it. So I quit my job, you know, put in my two weeks notice. And it's really hard for me to quit a job because, like, like I said, I'm really empathetic. So when I make a decision like that, I know how it affects people because you can't just replace an employee. Like, like if you're Sometimes a manager... You can. I know, but, like, it still puts the company through a rough time, you know? It's not... It's There's never a good time to quit, though. 
That's well, what... yeah, and you can't keep telling yourself, oh, I'll quit when we get someone new. Yeah, or... that's what I told myself, and that helped me. And so then I quit, and I went back with the family. Yeah, then that actually did resolve my problems. Not Now, you did that by giving yourself the cold, hard facts. You know, like, yeah. you, you presented the facts to yourself objectively, and you gave yourself the choice, and you knew what would happen if you followed either decision but not everyone's capable of doing that you mm-hmm. know and I, I think that's what is cool about you is that you just you do have the that facts. I'm normal <laughs> well no I mean like I don't have any mental health problems <laughs> this is the first normie I've ever had on the podcast yeah I'm a fucking normie goddamn normies. no I I'm I am forcing you to be on the podcast because I really do believe you have important things to say mm-hmm. about mental health I mean, I don't know, like, what helps you make those decisions and give yourself the facts? For people who might be incapable of doing that, you know? What will make them capable? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Do you have any advice? Or were you just born this fucking awesome? Wow. (laughs) Wow. I guess I'll start by saying, um... I mean, I say start by saying, but I really don't know where this is going to end. But I'll start by saying that... We all have a sense of self-preservation and self-respect. Well, at a basic, that's arguable. At a basic level, okay. an animal level, okay. a primal level. And we all are just trying to hack it in this world, okay? So people with mental health issues, which actually describes a very large population. Yeah. People with mental health issues that prevent them from living a normal life... I don't. I think. It, I don't think they need advice on how to make decisions. Well, maybe, maybe they do because um, mental health is a struggle, and with any struggle, you sometimes you can't do it alone. But I think more than that, it's when they make a decision. Like they know what's good for them. Yeah. But when they make a decision, mental health is unpredictable. Yeah. It affects you in unpredictable ways and does things that are not logical, and that people on the outside can't understand. So when they make a decision that's they think is best for them, but it doesn't pan out how they think it will, because their mental health kicks in, and bam, now you're depressed, and now you can't follow through with your plan. People on the outside, it seems to them that they were wrong all along, and they don't know how to make decisions for themselves. Is but, that, have you found yourself in that position where you thought someone didn't know how to make a decision? Like, um, being, being you know, a, a mentally healthy person... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you a lot of your loved ones struggle with mental health, mm-hmm. obviously. Like, looking in, has it taken you a while to kind of be able to empathize with them or, you know, sympathize with them? I think... Because uh, I'm really curious about that. Like, what are is your perception? That's a good question. Like, when did I start really understanding Yeah. what really people are struggling with? Like... It wasn't, I'm trying to talk myself through this because it wasn't when I was like in high school because I We hated each other in high school. Not really. What? Well, we we didn't really talk that much in high school. Prior to high school, we hated each other. No, you're talking about when we lived in Florida, like when we were teensy. No, Connecticut, we hated each other. Illinois. No. There were some times when I was I mean, we fought, like when I told Dad you had a beer at the block party. Yeah, sure, <laughs> we had arguments, but we didn't hate each other. I remember we did truly hate each other when we were really, really young. Remember that? Of course. 
Okay, but maybe we have different. But I mean, I never considered it that way. I, I was in I high did, I was mad at you a lot. Oh really? I didn't know that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but the oh I remember I remember this one time. This one time in the schoolroom, we had a schoolroom, Gary. We had a schoolroom because we were homeschooled, and in that room there was a table. And that was our schoolroom. Even though we did school all over the house because we were homeschooled, for Whenever. some reason we had one room that was called the schoolroom. I don't know why. I hated studying. We in never the even room. did any school in the schoolroom that I can remember. Like that fluorescent light we had in there, like <laughs> blocked my learning receptors or something. Yeah, I always did school in like dad's office or whatever. But we're getting off track. What I'm trying to say is, I was wearing all black in the schoolroom. I had black jeans and a black T-shirt. And I remember you and mom were in there and you got so pissed at me because um, you were you were depressed back then and you're going through some hard times. And I mean, obviously, depression is something that can always stick with you. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. You were going through like you were emo back then and stuff. Yeah, the the emo aesthetic was yes. one that I pursued. I guess what I'm trying to say is not only were you depressed back then, but um <laughs> Your clothing reflected how you felt in your soul. There you go. <laughs> Bingo. And mom didn't like that. She thought it, like, was not good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she thought that dressing emo made you even more depressed. I don't know what she thought. Or but it was, like, associated with the devil or something. Yeah, maybe maybe she saw those Screamo Band album art covers and she thought, I don't want my daughter to to be like a satan worshiper i don't know what she thought honestly but she told you that you couldn't dress on black i don't know but she didn't say anything to me mm. and you were having an argument with mom and i walked by in all black and you like lost it you're like <laughs> you're letting him wear all black like why why does he get to wear all black <laughs> i just have that specific memory <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Did you ever get punished? Yeah. For, did you ever have any repercussions for that? For wearing all black? Yeah. No. Like, it wasn't even... That was why you were mad. It wasn't even a thing. Like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, you never wear black. Now that I come to think of it, you never wear black. Is that why? My pants are black and my t-shirt's black. No, but you're wearing plaid. That's a gray shirt. Yeah, well, this can come off, Gary. <laughs> Stop seducing Gary. We're, we need to stay on track. If I wasn't wearing this plaid shirt, I would look like a mime. Because my pants are black and my t-shirt's black. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> okay, anyway. Where were we what are we even talking doing? about? I feel like we were on to something really good. I know, I feel like we're going oh, down what, a deep road. Yes, at what point did you find yourself relating to yeah. our mental health struggles? Yeah, I started relating because... Like, sometimes I start an essay with my hypothesis. Hypothesis. Your like, hypothesis. my hypothesis. I'm like, this is true because. And I just walk away. It's like that Michael yet. Scott quote. Like, sometimes I start a sentence and I hope I find it along the way. Yeah. I started being woke at <laughs> to mental health thingies. I feel like college was really a period of growth for me. Yeah. Like, um, in wokeness. The re I mean, obviously, oh, the reason that, that I bring up our relationship in high school, going back to that, is because we were going through stuff, obviously, but I know. Oh, I know, I know. Ding, ding, ding. I never talked to you about it, and yeah. I'm wondering what you thought about it all. I know the answer now. 
it had nothing to do with me being in college. It was actually because you and Caroline started growing up more and experiencing life. And we started talking to each other more as adults, independent of family. Yeah. Just we started talking about our lives. And that made me more uh, perceptive. Receptive. It more made me more receptive to the problems you face. When we were kids, you never told me about your problems, obviously. Yeah. But now that we're adults, like, as that started to happen, and as we all started to get to where we're college-aged and we're leaving the family more often, I mean, obviously, we're always connected to the family. We're having this conversation in Dad's office, even though you live in Seattle and I live in North Carolina. But what I'm saying is we all started to get our separate lives. Yeah. And I think the just talking to you more as a peer, as an, uh, an equal in this world, instead of as, like, just my older sister in the family. Yeah. Started making me more aware of, of your problems and the fact that anyone can have these problems and um, how they affect your life. How has that changed the way you go about your daily life and your, your interactions with other people? Actually, now that you mention it, being more sensitive to the problems that people have has changed the way I interact with people. Sometimes I just tell myself, you keep your big mouth shut right now. And the more, every time I do that, I don't regret it. That was not good. Just to be clear, you're saying to yourself, Andrew, shut your big mouth. Yeah, like, if sometimes when I'm just about to say something, I think of how people not just will perceive it, but how it will affect their heart. Hmm. Not what they'll think of me. Like, what they'll th- how saying that will make them think of themselves. Hmm. Like, if I say this, what kind of effect will it have on them? Is this Would this be sensitive to say? Or would this be yeah. insensitive to say? Like, a lot of jokes that I make. I made a lot of really, like, really bad jokes as a kid. Like, in this family, like, and everyone laughed. Because, like, we didn't know about people's problems. And we didn't know that those jokes were not sensitive to problems. And also, early on in our relationship, I still, with me and Abby. Your wife. Yeah. Like, I still made some of those jokes. They weren't, like, as insensitive as in my childhood. Mm -hmm. But I still made some jokes that kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. Did she call you out on it? As a woke individual in this world. Yes, she did call me out on it. And, uh... Oh, I need more water. And that did help. So yeah, Abby helped me with some of that stuff. I'm a really big fan of being introspective mm-hmm. and being willing to change and look at yourself and also being open to other things that are saying something contrary to your beliefs and just being open to asking yourself, like, what if that is actually right? Like giving the article I read about giving people advice. Mm-hmm. That actually did have a big impact on me. And I don't give people advice anymore. You are receptive to change. Ooh, receptive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, yeah. not everyone is. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about you. Yeah, but there are, there are bad things about me, too. Like What? I know. You're not allowed on this podcast anymore. Go. I know. Like, um, the fact that if I'm receptive to change... Maybe I change one thing about myself and, you know, I become a better person. That's the dream. And then I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. And then 
I judge people for being in their bad situation because why don't they just do what I did? Yeah, because it was so easy for you. Yeah, we all struggle with different things. And sometimes the thing I struggle with is not understanding why someone can't change. I feel like a lot of times in my life, um, things were just kind of given to me. Like, I've had a lot of help in my life. Yeah. That's why when you asked me that question earlier about what have you struggled with to get out of a bad situation, mm-hmm. I had to think, because, like, I haven't had too many bad situations. Like, really bad. Like... Would you say you're privileged in that way? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Someone in a way worse situation than me can still be considered privileged. Well, yeah. Like, but I guess... I was privileged I mean, when I was born. Do you see yourself... As privileged, and if so, like, how do you use your privilege to help? Well, exactly. That's what people need to be asking. They need to recognize that they are privileged. And that's become, like, a word over the past, I don't know. It's a buzzword. Five years, ten years. Buzzword, like, privilege. People even hate that word. I don't like using words that cause emotion without context. Mm. So, like, if a word does that, I won't use that word anymore, even if it's the best word for the job. Mm. Like, in the sense of it in the dictionary, that so, word describes what I want to say, but it has all these things attached to it in politics, so I won't say privileged. Um, I would say I was born into a great situation. Let's, okay. just, let's just say that. And people that are born into a great situation, they need to realize that not everyone is born into a great situation. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are born... Into Sorry, a bad that. situation. Just say privileged. No. In terms of mental health, at least, like, no, you might not have struggled like we have. Maybe your life has been relatively easy, but you have struggled. You yeah, know. I mean, it hasn't been easy, but I think there have been powers that have always kept it from becoming too hard. What do you mean? Like when I was living alone in in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Things weren't easy. Like, I was taking my bicycle three miles to the train station, taking it to another city, and then riding five more miles to uh, go to work. Yeah. And then one one time my wheel broke and I had to carry my bike on my back until a coworker saw me. <laughs> but my point is, even though I've had my struggles, there have still been powers that keep me from falling on my face. Like... I was able to call mom and dad and say, can, can you fly me to Texas? Yeah. I'm done. So I feel like there's a like a safety net um, that keeps me from falling too low. I can never fall too low. And it's kind of it's a, bold a privilege. Statement. <laughs> oh my God. Shut the fuck up. I mean, that's a bold statement to say is that you can only fall so low because, you know, shit happens. Well, I know. I'm not saying that now. I know shit can happen. I'm saying that in the past. In the past, it seems like I could have only fallen so low because there are things that just kept me from from just not making it. But there are people out there who just... Something happens and they can't make it anymore. Like, they get sick and they can't work... Or injured and they can't work. Because people who are struggling, they'll work even if they're sick. So, like, oh, what, yeah. if, what if you get injured and you literally can't work... And, like, the ambulance ride alone was, like, oh, yeah. more than you can ever afford. And you don't have family that can help you with that. I know lots of people like that. And now you get hit with bills that have late fees. And 
maybe even get evicted from where and you live. And you've never had to deal with that. Not only have I never dealt with that, but if something happened where, you know, I couldn't work and I couldn't pay bills, I would have been all right, you know? Yeah. It would have been rough, but I would have been all right when all is said and done. And and I don't, you know, not everyone's like that. So, yeah, that is privilege. Well... Everyone I know has mental health problems, honestly. Like, How I... How do you feel about that? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel, I feel like helpless? I, I feel like I probably have them. I just don't know it. <laughs> oh. Let's um. delve into that, shall we? <laughs> like, well, if you go on Facebook, at least if I go on Facebook, there's always these posts about being depressed and having mental health issues. And a big one is anxiety. Like, there's so many memes out there about anxiety because everyone can relate to that. Can you relate to it? Like, I get anxious, but that's different than anxiety. Like, having anxiety. Like, Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of the people that are sharing these memes don't have clinical anxiety. Oh, really? Hmm. Maybe that's the case. But I feel they like... They're just I anxious. still feel like there's more people with clinical anxiety than I thought there was. Or maybe but, people but now just they can just about talk it about it yeah. more. So, like, everyone around me, like, has, you know, mental health problems. And I think uh, that's just normal. It's really helped me to grow as a person because um, mental health problems create obstacles for the individual that has them. But they also create obstacles for the people they interact with. So, as someone who interacts with people with mental health problems, it has helped me grow In as a ways? person. Like, how I, um, how sensitive I am mm. to people's feelings and to people's situations. It's helped me be more, um, of a good listener because people with mental health problems have a lot of problems and they need to talk to somebody about them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's helped me to become a good listener. Another hot take from Andrew. 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's a hot take? Like a good quote? Wait, really? You don't know what a hot, a hot take is like something that's really obvious that everyone knows, but you're presenting it like it's new information. Like, oh, I didn't know that actually. Like hot take, mental people with mental health problems. So does that mean that have what a you're, lot of problems? What you're telling me now is a hot take. Like the definition of a hot take is a hot take. Yeah. Was that a hot take? Good job. You already got. You already got is it. Is this hot take exception? What if the, the name of this episode was, like, Hot, hot Take? take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was talking about how knowing people and being married to someone who has mental health issues has helped me grow. Like, um, I'm sure Abby told you on the podcast, even though I haven't listened to it, about that how she's been suicidal before. Mm-hmm. She talked about that. Yeah. So, yeah, she talked about her suicidal thoughts, her anxiety, her depression. It must be challenging to be married to someone who doesn't know what she's going through, truly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could be with someone who didn't at least relate a little bit to my issues. Because that's just frustrating because you can... Like, everyone has the ability to have empathy. Even if someone is, quote, not a very empathetic person... You know, I think I think a mistake a lot of people make is taking things like empathy or um, sincerity or authenticity and not treating those like skills that you can mm. practice. Like, That's a good point. Yeah, like someone just says, uh, you know, I'm not a very empathetic person. 
but have you ever tried to have more empathy? Like if someone is not very strong and they say, I'm, I'm not a very strong person. Well, you, it's obvious that they can change that by like eating protein and working out. Yeah. Okay. So when someone tells me I'm not a very empathetic person, there are things they can do to become more empathetic, but it's not obvious to everyone. How did you become more empathetic? I think by I'm trying to find a way to put it into words. I mean, it helps, like you said, being so close to so many people who struggle. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't necessarily like hold it against someone Mm -hmm. who um, doesn't have a lot of empathy because it is something you learn on the way. But if someone actually recognizes that they're not very empathetic and they uh, they tell me that it's natural and that they can't be more empathetic, I think that's a mistake. So say I wanted to get better at emotional intelligence. That's a blanket term I use for like all emotional skills. So I would probably take a look at how I interact with people and my level of sensitivity to others and you know how I was saying how like it comes along the way yeah maybe you just need to do things that you know will give you more empathy like volunteer for something like uh, the soup kitchen or talk to your friends do things going through a hard time yeah just do something that really has no benefit to you it's kind of like working out like you can't just think about it. Yeah. Because, like, no matter how much information you have on getting stronger, the only thing that will actually get you strong is actually lifting weights. Yeah. So even though you know how to, you know, be more sensitive to others and just a kinder person, the only thing that will actually make that happen is if you live a life that requires that to happen. Like, if I don't lift weights that require my muscles to break and rebuild, my muscles won't break and rebuild. If I don't do things for others, I won't have the intelligence about how others feel. Yeah, no, and I've seen you grow a lot in your emotional intelligence over the years. And you're someone that I do regularly talk to about my problems because I trust you. And I think you do have a lot of empathy. So, man, well, this is the first episode of 2020. Um, I'm not going to reflect too much on the past year because I did that last episode. And also, um, I believe in looking forward, onward and upwards, as they say. So what are some of your goals for this next year? Or I should say this year. Yeah, my goals for this coming year. Christina, I'm speaking to Gary now, got me this amazing uh, journal or diary, whatever you want to call it type thing. And it's like, uh, it's called Fit Happens. It's a notebook that gives you writing prompts about like, what am I thankful for? What are my workout goals for the day? And what am I eating? And it's so cool. And one of my goals for this coming year is to use that book. And I'm actually really excited that you gave that to me as one of my best Christmas presents. I'm yeah. so happy that you like it because I got it like last minute at TJ yeah. Maxx. <laughs> it like, TJ Maxx is like Oh awesome. my God, I love TJ Maxx. There's so many good... Like I bought candles, yeah. Candles. I I had two friends, both men, and I didn't know what to get them for their birthdays. Their birthdays are within a week of each other. I went to TJ Maxx, and they just have so many great presents for dudes. Dude, we should go to TJ Maxx more in 2020. That's that's our. It makes anyone seem like a good gift giver. 
I'm, I'm pretty bad at giving gifts. Another hot take. <laughs> We're full of those today. Hot take. But, uh, yeah, another goal maybe is to just go on more adventures. Yeah. Sit at home less. Oh, man, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. But here's the thing with goals. Like, a lot of people say, I want to do something more and or I want to do something less. If you don't actually have a plan, then that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm hoping being in the Coast Guard will allow me to go on more adventures because... I will be working in DC if I get Aww. if I get the enlistment job that I'm trying to get right now. So um, I'll be going to DC a lot, and I think DC is so cool, and I oh, want to yeah. go on more adventures there. Well, I lived there for two years. Oh, I love the free museums. Oh, you get yeah. spoiled with those free museums. Yeah, there and there's like awesome sushi places. So more adventures. More adventures. I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about this year. I don't know. Maybe it's too early to tell, but I, I, we all struggled a lot in 2019, and I just feel like we deserve happiness at this point. And we can totally <laughs> give me my happiness. I mean, give it to me. At some point, I do feel like it's something that you can manifest yourself. Like, but a lot of people with mental health issues, they don't like hearing that. I know, and I hate myself for saying. Yeah, that. you should. I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm feeling pretty hopeful about this year. I'm really excited to see where you end up. Here's the thing. We can talk for hours and not all of it will be things that Gary wants to listen to. So we should probably just end this pod, this podcast yeah. episode and keep talking away from Gary. All right. Sorry, <laughs> Gary. We're going to, we're going to head out now. Um, thank you for listening to our hot takes this evening. <laughs> Hot take. Say goodbye to Gary. Hot take. <laughs> that wasn't goodbye. <laughs> Alright, bye.